This is Market Insights, the Market Pulse podcast by Oanda. I'm Johnny Hart talking to Oanda senior market analysts across the world. Let's join Craig Earlham in London. Good afternoon, Craig. Good afternoon, Johnny. It's been a dramatic day, hasn't it? Stock markets across Europe have fallen heavily with investors pretty spooked by the collapse of Silicon Valley Bank, which we, of course, discussed on Friday. And that is despite the efforts to limit the fallout. We've seen bank shares drop sharply, down as much as 10%. In London, the FTSE down more than 2%. And that is despite the HSBC agreement to buy the UK arm of SVB. Why is this such a serious situation? Well, it's a serious situation because you want to prevent a run on the bank. You've got to remember with, for example, SVB, their clients, that's both in terms of lenders and depositors, were largely firms that were outside the scope of deposit protection. And that's why you start to see that kind of run materialising. SVB was largely invested in things like US Treasuries, which once upon a time was deemed fair. But when you are holding those to maturity and then making losses on them because of the movements that we've seen in interest rates over the last 12 months, then you you have to raise capital in, in, in other ways. When you're seeing flight of deposits and uh, therefore you're having to sell more of these assets that you hold again for a loss then it creates a crisis of confidence and like you say you've seen how these run on the banks work before once confidence goes then everything else follows now over the weekend we did see in the US of course we saw the Fed the Treasury the FDIC uh, announced a bunch of measures in order to try and shore up confidence including guarantees and from the Fed's perspective loan provisions based on par value of these treasuries etc uh, in order to try and ensure ample liquidity in the financial system and also ensure that we don't see ongoing run on the bank but also there was highlighted that others may have similar issues we saw signature bank uh, go on there on uh, sunday as well and uh, and that's created this idea that other banks could be really heavily exposed and then there's what's the implications then on the broader financial system when you think that since we did this podcast on friday the amount of action that's been taken both by u.s authorities but authorities elsewhere hsbc completing a transaction for one pound of svb's uh, uk arm This is an enormous amount of action that's taking place in very little time. There's people working, uh, civil servants uh, at the Treasury and at the Bank of England who won't have got very much sleep over the weekend and, of course, in the US as well um, uh, because there's been a clamour to get all of this sorted uh, to the best of their ability in the short term to uh, address near-term risks before the market's open on Monday. And to some extent that's worked because it means that that certain issues have been dealt with, but we just don't know how bigger the problem is going to get, how much more widespread the problem is going to get, how effective these short-term measures ultimately will be. And until we get more information on that, you've got this two-pronged thing with investors. They're saying, well, do you know what? The authorities have acted quickly. They're clearly well prepared for a situation like this. They knew that raising interest rates wasn't going to come without risk. They were aware that 15 years of ultra low interest rates was not going to come without risks. The combination of those factors is probably one of the key things which has created this problem. So we know that they're well prepared. We know that they've acted swiftly and strongly. But at the same time, we also know that if they've jumped in this strongly and this firmly, then they are also fearful of something bigger. So when you take those two facts in, we've seen a lot more risk aversion in the markets today. And we've seen that have a massive implication, not just on equity markets, where the most obvious uh, area, but bond markets is where we've arguably seen the biggest uh, moves uh, over the course of today. So markets are falling because of a fear 
of what else might lie out there and the imminent crisis may have been averted but it has alerted people to the fact that there are a group of companies out there and you alluded to it just now with business models who will struggle in this high interest rate environment because we've gone as you said from ultra ultra low in interest rates to a terminal rate we were talking about of six percent a few days ago but you just told me off air that that's off the table now terminal rates are going to be a lot lower and that's within a few days a few hours even of what we previously said they've come right down right down indeed not only that we see for example the federal reserve it's now 50 50 to raise by 25 basis points uh, at the meeting in a couple of weeks time when you compare that to a week ago it less than a week ago when jerome powell was appearing in front of congress saying we may need to move higher and faster than the market currently anticipating and markets are pricing in a 70 percent chance of 50 basis points that's off the table now but not only that markets are pricing in maybe one more 25 basis points rate hike but maybe not but the terminal rate for the us is now 4.75 percent so that suggests maybe one more rate hike, but the end of year rate is closer to 4%. So that suggests that the markets are pricing in rate cuts again by the end of the year. Don't get me wrong, I fully expect this to change over the course of the next couple of weeks as this situation evolves. Uh, and as we get more clarity on what the knock-on effects are going to be and whether there's going to be significant knock-on effects. But if you're the Federal Reserve now going into that meeting in uh, just under two weeks' time, you're, you're looking at the situation and you're thinking, can we really afford to be raising interest rates at this point in time or can we actually afford to pause can we afford to say we've done a lot in a year there's still a certain amount which is still filtering through and now there is much more two-sided risk Once, not so long ago the two-sided risk was we either deal with inflation but we could cool the economy too far and maybe tip it into a session now the two-sided risk is we could risk a little bit more inflation and having to do a bit more later but the other side is financial stability I think that's a much greater risk. And that's why you could potentially see the Fed pause uh, when it meets uh, on the 22nd, because they may say, do you know what? We can afford. We've bought ourselves now enough time and room to pause for a month and let's see how this unfolds and let's see what this ultimately means uh, for longer term implications for monetary policy, for interest rates and for inflation. And what effect has this had on, for instance, the US dollar and oil prices? They must be slipping. The US dollar is off around 0.7% today, and I think that's driven primarily by the movements that we have seen in the yield market. US two-year yields has fallen quite considerably, I think around 50 basis points uh, over the course of today because of that complete shift in interest rate expectations now for the rest of this year. So that's had uh, negative implications for the dollar. Interesting, we have seen interest rate expectations paired back really across the board, but for example, the ECB on Thursday still expected to raise interest rates by 50 basis points, but they're very much behind the curve. So we haven't seen the euro hit, for example, uh, quite as hard as the US dollar, and it's actually performing quite well against the US dollar on the day. Oil prices are down more than 3% today. So again, this kind of sentiment over uh, flowing over into the oil markets as well. Gold is up almost 2% on the day. The one that really stands out for me is being frankly staggering is Bitcoin is up more than... 12% since Friday's close. Now, I'm sure there'll be those out there who tried to paint that as safe haven Bitcoin. Let's see how things play out because that strikes me as a fascinating anomaly. Does this situation affect the UK Chancellor of the Exchequer's budget on Wednesday? Of course, if the Silicon Valley UK interest hadn't been taken by HSBC, 
in that breaking news this morning, then the uh, Chancellor would have to have uh, found billions to potentially save uh, many businesses. But uh, he hasn't got that headache at the moment. But are there any other things he'll be looking and worrying about ahead of Wednesday's budget because of this news? You can imagine by now that Wednesday's budget has been completed, has been signed off. It's probably too late for changes unless absolutely essential. So I don't think it's going to have an impact on that per se. But I think what one thing, one thing's clear is I think they were probably going to be quite cautious anyway for a number of reasons which we were talking about on Friday. Like I say, because it's such a fast-moving thing at this point in time, you wouldn't really want to make any snap judgments on the basis of what we know so far as it is. So I think in the best-case scenario, if you were looking to make any changes to the budget based on this, what they would probably do is delay the budget so they could wait and get more clarity on ultimately what this all means for the numbers. I think the other thing as well is what the UK government was keen to stress, but we also saw from the US government that was keen to stress, and this is a more of a political thing, is that taxpayers will not be footing the bill uh, for anything that's happened. Both of them were keen to stress that. And that's kind of one of the maybe lessons learned from 2008 was there was a lot of backlash against the fact that these banks went into difficulty and it was the taxpayer that had to bail them out. They've been, in both cases, they've been very keen to stress that because of the measures and the preparations that have been put in place, that the taxpayer is effectively not going to foot the bill on this occasion. On Friday, we spoke about this week and what was coming up. And we've got, of course, the US CPI numbers, we've got retail sales and we've got the ECB as well. Has this news rather taken that off the agenda now? It's not really that important. It's not taking it off the agenda. It may have diminished it slightly because it's seen as being less impactful in terms of what the US will do as far as interest rates are concerned, especially on the CPI and the retail sales data. But I think there's a large extent to which people will look through that and say we still need to see a positive trend here because, for example, if we get a much weaker CPI figure this week, then that further cements the view that the Fed really doesn't need to do anything at the meeting in a week's time. If the inflation data is 1% above expectations, then the Fed is really between a rock and a hard place and then it depends on how events unfold with regards to svb and the banking system as a whole so i wouldn't say it's completely diminished it but it may have lessened its impact because there was a point prior to this svb story where they almost the entire week felt like it hung on that cpi number that's no longer the case okay craig very interesting thank you very much for joining us and we'll speak to you again soon thank you Market Insights, the Market Pulse podcast by Oanda.